short series on prayer, and uh, we covered the first week that God answers every prayer. Uh, the second uh, lesson we uh, talked about that God hears the prayers of the desperate. And then today we want to talk about prayer changes. Prayer changes. The Bible says in Acts chapter 4, uh, verse 29 and 30, And now the Lord, behold their threatenings, and grant unto thy servants that with all boldness they may speak thy word. By stretching forth thy hand to heal, and that signs and wonders may be done by the name of thy holy child, Jesus. It's often said, and, and, and we all make uh, this statement, that prayer changes things. Prayer changes things. Well, prayer does more than just change things. We need to add to that statement that prayer changes us. Sometimes prayer does change our circumstance. Sometimes prayer does uh, do things to... Uh, the area that we're in in that particular moment in life, to the situation that we're in, sometimes prayer does change that. But to be a little more personal, we can say that prayer changes me. Uh, sometimes our situation is going to stay the same. But God decides to change us to uh, handle that situation. So uh, the statement is true that prayer does change things. In the book of Acts, the Bible begins to show us uh, under the New Covenant, under the New Testament, examples of situations and circumstances that were totally changed as a result of prayer. Uh, Peter and John prayed in Acts chapter 3, and the lame man was healed. In Acts chapter 12, Peter was delivered from prison. And, and a death sentence imposed by the rulers as a result of a prayer meeting taking place by the early church, and we talked about that in previous lessons. We are very familiar with the very popular and uh, very uh, spoken about uh, miracle of deliverance of Paul and Silas when they prayed at midnight and sang songs, and they were delivered, delivered from prison in Acts chapter 16. Paul and others prayed on a ship in the midst of a long storm. Their lives were spared in Acts chapter 27. It's examples uh, given in the book of Acts where people, ordinary people, uh, face trial, face situation, face circumstance, face, uh, face trying times, um, and as a direct result of their prayer, God changed their circumstance. God changed the situation. There is in the Old Testament a story I, I like to refer to, especially in a, a whole Bible study setting. Uh, it is an incredible miracle that God, uh, that God performs, and it lets us know that prayer can change the mind of God. A lot of people believe, even subconsciously, that once God has mandated something or spoken something for your life that that your prayer won't affect that. You know, I've, I've had people uh, say, you know, I have this sickness or I have this circumstance in my life and it's just my lot in life and 
You know, I know that God's not going to change that. And that's not always necessarily true. However, I will tell you sometimes it's not good that God changes. And I'll explain that more in just a moment. But in uh, Isaiah 38, in verse 1, uh, the Bible is telling the story about King Hezekiah. And it says in Isaiah 38 and 1, And in those days was Hezekiah sick unto death. And Isaiah the prophet, the son of Amos, came unto him and said unto him, Thus saith the Lord, Set thine house in order, for thou shalt die and not live. Man, that is a uh, disheartening statement. Imagine if you were sick and a pastor came to the hospital to see you and he walked up and, and said, Set your house in order. In other words, Tell everybody everything you want to say. Let them know where your life insurance policy is at. Uh, let them, everybody know what's going on. Write out your last will and testament because you will not go home. You're going to die. Nobody likes the word of God like that. But nevertheless, uh, God spoke through Isaiah. The Bible goes on in the next few verses. and King Hezekiah had been a good king. In a time when Israel spent more time backslidden than they did serving God, the kingdom is divided at this point. And uh, the house of Judah has gone one way, Israel has gone another way. And, and if you read the Bible throughout this time, through the book of Kings and, and the books of First and Second Samuel, you'll see that the vast majority of time uh, these countries sli- uh, stayed backslidden and, and the kings were people that, that led them to idolatry and stuff like that. But Hezekiah was different. Hezekiah served God. Hezekiah did his best to turn Israel back to God to get rid of uh, the idols and to get rid of all of these negative things in their life and to turn them back to serving God. And so Hezekiah, the Bible says, turns and faces the wall. And he begins to pray and to remind God of these things, that God, I, and I'm just paraphrasing here, but God, I'm a good king, and, and haven't I taken Israel and, and tried to turn them from idolatry back to serving you? And, and look at the accomplishments I've made for you, God. Look at what I've done, God. And the Bible says that, that Isaiah hadn't even got out of the court of the palace, and God spoke to him. And he goes back to the king, and this is what he says in Isaiah 38 and 5. He said, I've heard thy prayer, I have seen thy tears, and behold, I will add unto thy days 15 years. King Hezekiah's prayer, King Hezekiah's petition changed the mind of God. Now some things God doesn't change. God's not going to change the word of God for you. Well, God, I don't particularly like that verse. Well, guess what, buddy? It's done. But there are circumstances in our life that prayer, the Bible says the effectual fervent prayer. I bet you King Hezekiah got fervent when he was told, you're fixing to die. And so he prayed and God changed his mind. Our prayers can have a positive effect on God and on our future, and they can be changed, our future be changed 
by prayer. So the scriptural principle that prayer changes things is true. Elijah prayed and it didn't rain for three and a half years. He prayed again and the circumstances changed and it rained. Y'all remember that story in the Old Testament. The Bible is full and we could go through today even personal testimonies of times that God has changed our circumstance or changed our situation or changed our problem or changed our health or changed our mind or changed our future because of our prayer. But this morning, more than talking about how, how prayer changes things, I want to spend a little more time talking about how prayer changes us. Not always, and I preface this, this last lesson of this study by saying that not always does God change our circumstance. That's the easy part. That's the easy way out. God, make it like this never happened. I had somebody tell me this past week that they've been praying about a circumstance in their life. And he said, I've been praying that God would make it like this never happened. Well, God doesn't always do that. God doesn't always change our circumstances. So in those, day, in those moments and in those times when our circumstance doesn't change, God can change us. In our scripture, what we read this morning to start this in Acts chapter 4, the disciples had been threatened. The rulers brought them in and threatened them and said, don't ever preach again. Don't ever pray again in the name of Jesus. If you do this, then you're going to violate the law. They had brought them to trial. They couldn't really find anything that they had done wrong. They asked some questions. The rulers realized that if they answered these questions, either way they would be in trouble with the people. And because they feared the people, they decided to just warn them. The disciples responded, not by going back and asking God to change those rulers. Not to go back and say, you know, church, you've prayed and Peter was delivered and church, you prayed and this happened and we prayed before and God did all of this for us. But instead of doing that, the Bible records their prayers and he says, Lord, change things. They, they wanted him to uh, not change their circumstance but change us. We read in Acts 4.29, they said, Grant unto thy servants that with all boldness they may speak thy word. In other words, we're not worried about, God, whether you change the rulers. It's not whether you change the people in charge or the law. Give us the ability, change us that we can speak in boldness. And they believed that through boldness and speaking the word of God, and their dependence on Jesus Christ that other miracles would be done. They asked God, don't change our circumstance, but change us. Sometimes, sometimes for things around us to get better, for our circumstance to change, we have to change. It's a hard concept because pretty much everybody in here, whether you would admit it or not, to some degree pretty much figure that you are perfect. 
Now we all say, well, Brother Merrill, I know I have flaws. Let somebody point one out and see how mad you get. You know why you're getting mad? It's because you feel like that flaw's not that bad. Sometimes, and we think, I do, this, I'm speaking to me probably more than anybody else, I think that I can handle my prayer request. I believe in my current state, my current mental state, my current emotional state, my current spiritual state, that I can handle my prayer request, the answer to my prayer. However, sometimes God knows that you can't. I was reading a book, a little bit of a book this morning. How many of you, if your child was three years old and walked up and said, Dad or Mom, can I have a pocket knife, would you give it to them? Why? They can't handle it. They're not mature enough to handle that responsibility. The same thing is true with God. Oftentimes we ask for things. God, I want you to give me or to impart to me, or to heal me, or change my circumstance, or answer this prayer, and we're a three-year-old, not saying we're three, but we're too immature to handle the answer to our prayer, so God says later, I'll give you one, just like we would tell our child, when you're three years old, you can't handle a pocket knife, but maybe a little bit later, you can. I don't know what age I was when I became old enough to carry a pocket knife, but I carried it. I have one today. You'll find it hard-pressed to ever find me without a pocket knife. But I've gotten to the point where I don't hurt myself with them too much. Occasionally, still stab my hand when I'm doing something with it I shouldn't. The same thing is true with God. Sometimes for our circumstance to change, we have to change first. desire to change our circumstance or, or to seek a, a better location or a better environment. But the bad thing is, you know the one thing you'll take with you if you look for a better environment? Yourself. I've told people, I've had situations where people say, you know what, I'm moving to, I'm getting away from mama, I'm getting away from uncle so-and-so or my ex this or whatever, and I'm going to move to Minnesota. Don't know anybody up there. Getting away from my problems. But guess what? A lot of times the big problem goes with you because you take yourself. Jesus said in Matthew, 20, uh, in Matthew 6, 28, consider the lilies. Flowers grow where they are planted. This is, please listen. Flowers grow where they're planted. We need to grow where we are planted. Wherever we at, wherever we're at at this moment, begin to grow. We want to be planted in a better set of circumstances but it's not always the answer. If you can learn to grow where you're at, if you can learn that God, you may not change where I am being planted, 
You may not change the circumstance that I am in, but I am going to grow anyway. I am going to change anyway. God changed me even if you don't change the soil that I'm in. When, that begin, when we take on that attitude, then we offer to God more ability. We offer to God more um, openness for him to change other things in our life. So there are things that God will not change until we change. One man said, I have found the problem, and it is I. And there are certain things in our lives that we must change, that we must die to. And we can only do that through prayer, through fasting, and through our submission to the word of God. Somebody made this statement, and it's, it's so true. It's not as important what happens to us as it is more important what happens in us. People's response, how do we respond? Again, it's growing where we're planted. And there was a, a guy I knew as a teenager, he worked for the city parish and he worked for the sanitation department. Let me just put it that way. They had oxidation ponds. And they would take sewer. I'm not sure if you're supposed to say that, but anyway. And they would dump it into these oxidation ponds and let the water evaporate so they could clean it all up and do whatever they did. And, and he would tell about plants that would grow in this environment. They would grow uh, where it seems to be one of the worst places for a plant to grow. And uh, that oftentimes these workers would go out and dig these plants up when they were small and plant them in their garden. But a lot has to be said for the plant that is willing to sprout and to grow in such a harsh, harsh environment. I read a story a couple of years ago some of you even may remember when in Russia there was a nuclear power plant called Chernobyl. Uh, it was a horrible, horrible nuclear disaster, one they're still even trying to clean up today. I understand that at the Chernobyl uh, site that it is still very unstable and um, that they have entombed the nuclear reactor in uh, several, several feet of concrete, hoping that it just does not explode uh, and take out a vast part of that area. Uh, but it's very unstable. But they said even in areas where people can't go, they don't make radiation suits uh, strong enough. The radiation is so powerful, the heat is so intense, that uh, even in those areas they'll look out and there begins to be a plant that will start to grow in such a harsh environment. Sometimes... It is good for us to grow where God has planted us and then let God transplant us later date at another time into another environment. Sometimes we have to change. Sometimes we have to uh, do what God says even when we're in a situation that we want God to change. Paul, in, in the word of God, in 2 Corinthians, tells us and shows us that he prayed three times for, for his thorn 
and his flesh to change. But God just simply said, my grace is sufficient. My grace is sufficient. Sometimes God doesn't change what we're in. But he changed us. There's the old song that says he's still working on you. Ever heard that? When you're in Sunday school, we used to sing that little song. some meetings and we were talking about change. Is it fun to change? Anybody like change? I saw somebody walk out of a gas station one time, reach in their pocket, obviously they had just made a purchase, pulled out a handful of coins and threw them on the ground and just person they were riding with in the car said, why did you just do that? He said, I don't like change. I said, what an awesome analogy, man. So I went and picked it up. I don't mind change, some kinds of change, but, but human nature doesn't like change. But, but God says that sometimes you have to change before I can change your circumstance. So God in prayer does change our circumstance, but sometimes it changes us. David wrote in Psalms 51 what is called by some circles the Pentance Psalm. It was written by David after uh, he had sinned with Bathsheba, had her husband murdered, and then Nathan the prophet came and revealed uh, his sin to him, uh, letting David know that God saw what he did. If I could take a little side note here, it is amazing what we think God doesn't see. That's just a little, God sees you. He's got you. Um, I remember the story of a little kid one time I, I, that was scared or something at night and some dad walked in and said, Daddy, Daddy, I'm scared in the dark. And the dad walked in and said, Well, son, there's nothing to be scared of. Jesus is in the room with you. And he said, Okay. He said, You know, Jesus is watching you. He's right here with you. You don't have to be scared. And so the dad walked and got into his bed and he was just about to fall asleep when he heard his little son in the other room say, Jesus. Is that you making that noise? A little bit later, Jesus quit. He thought Jesus was literally standing there making noise for him. But Jesus is with us. He sees us everywhere we are. And so when, uh, when Nathan the prophet reveals to David that God saw your sin, God saw the adultery, God saw the murder, he knows what you did. David did not run to the temple and ask God to change the circumstance. David didn't go and try to hide what he just did. He ran to God and began to repent and began to ask God to change me. He did not ask God to change the circumstance. 
He did not ask God to hide his sin from other people. He did not ask God to make this like it never happened. And oh God, I wish I could go back from before this sin and and God erase time and God restore unto me everything that I'm going to lose and all the confidence of the people. He never asked for that. He simply said, Lord, change me. And you can read about it in Psalms 51. He prays for a clean heart. He prays for a right spirit. He asked God to change me. He knew that a broken and contrite heart he would not despise in Psalms 51. It was necessary for God to change him, and David knew it. If I'm going to go on with my future, if I'm going to go on with the destiny that God has designed for me, if I'm going to be the greatest king that ever lived, God has made promises to me, and I cannot get to where God has promised me if I don't change. The circumstances in our life are not always for God to change them. Sometimes it's for God to change us. I want you to notice the difference between the the, uh, the prayers of David and the prayers of Saul. I never thought about it quite this way. But when David prayed after he sinned, and we understand that David sinned, and he sinned bad. He said, Lord, you know, I've sinned against you. I've, I've committed these transgressions. Clean me up. Make me whole. Make me right. Clean my heart. Renew my, my spirit. Change me that I can be a blessing to your people. Help me to be the leader I need to be. Help me to become what you want me to be. His attitude was so uh, repentant. His attitude was was one that, God, I need you to do something in my life. But look at Saul and what he said. Saul sinned also. His sin was either was neither either greater nor, or nor less severe than David's. He sacrificed on the altar when he wasn't a priest. He overstepped his boundaries. He overstepped his parameters. And Saul prayed in 1 Samuel 15 and 13 and said, I've sinned. Just like David started out, I've sinned. I've done a transgression. But listen to Saul's attitude. He said, I've sinned, yet honor me now. I pray thee before the elders of my people and before Israel. In other words, God, I've committed a transgression. In other words, God, my circumstance isn't what I want it to be. In other words, I'm in a position or a place where I'm not happy. And rather than to uh, allow God to change him, he says, but even though all of this is going on, I want you to honor me still. Do it anyway. Just because I guess Saul was thinking he's the king or he's a great guy or whatever, whatever the reason. But whatever you do, God, it doesn't matter. You don't have to change me. Just honor me. He didn't ask God to forgive him. He didn't say, I've sinned, God, and so forgive me and, and let me become more what you want me to be. He just wanted to look good in front of the people. Just make it look like I still serve you. 
Make it look like I'm a good king. Make it look like I'm righteous. Make it look like I'm holy. But don't change anything. David, on the other hand, went to God and said, I've sinned. I've committed a transgression. He's not the first king to sin, and we know that. But his attitude is different. God, change me. God, do something in me. I don't want to be this person. And in our walk with God and our relationship with God, it may be sin. Maybe it's not sin. Maybe it's just a circumstance or situation. But our attitude should be, God, let me grow. God, change me. God, make me what you want me to be. God, do something in me. Even if you don't change my circumstance, if you don't change the place I'm growing, when Jesus said, consider the lilies, even if you don't change me or transplant me, let me grow in my current circumstance. Just don't leave me like I am. Somebody said, I saw it on a bumper sticker actually a couple of weeks ago, it said the definition of insanity is doing the same thing every time and expecting different results. We need to change. I've had people say, you know, I just feel like I need to get closer to God. Okay? But I can guarantee you if you, re, if you continue to live the life you're still living, you're not going to get closer to God. Something has to change. You may ought to think about praying more. So how do we change? The first thing, prayer allows us to change. We can become more like Jesus. It is said, it's a common statement, I've heard it, you show me your friends and I will tell you who you are. Some people say it this way, I've heard some of the elders say it this way, birds of a feather flock together. It's true. You will become like who you hang out with. That's why I guess it's when you understand these concepts, when you understand these things and how true that they often are, very, very, very seldom is there an exception to the rule. It's easy uh, to pick out people when they come and tell you one thing, but you see something else. Um, if you associate with thieves, you'll be called a thief. The type of friends that we have, the type of people we surround ourselves with is a good indicator of who we are. Jesus promised us that he would be a friend that sticketh closer than a brother. When we are praying, we're not only trying to know him, but you should try to become like him, even more like him. When we pray, God change me more like you. I oftentimes pray, God, I want to be more like you today than I was yesterday. If every day I can change a little bit, it may not be a lot. Maybe <laughs> over a hundred years you may not notice much, but if I can change a little bit to be more like God. You ever notice that when a man and a woman are married for a long period of time, they begin to act like each other? Sometimes it's good, sometimes it's not. 
You'll take on the personality of the people you spend the most time with. Brother Ricky Allman said something. No, I'm sorry it wasn't Brother Rick Wiseman. He'll be here maybe next week or the week after. Said something several years ago, and it has changed the way I think of things. He said, I don't stand here today my own person, but I am a composite of everybody I've ever contacted or ever made contact with. And if you think about that, in talking to most of you, some of you will say, you know, well, so-and-so made a statement one time, blah, 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 and boy, that was it. I had a manager one time that said this. I had a boss one time that said, and we take that and we begin to apply it, and so we become composites of people around us. If we spend more time with Jesus, if we can spend more time with Jesus, then we can become more like him. The Apostle Paul said that he came declaring unto us the testimony of God. For I determined not to know anything among you save Jesus Christ and him crucified. I don't care about anything else. I want to know who Jesus is. He was able to declare the testimony of God because he spent time with God. He spent time with God. Romans 12, 1 and 2. The Bible says, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. And be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. In prayer, we present ourselves a living sacrifice, and we need to refuse to become conformed to this world. We become transformed. Uh, to be transformed means that we will be changed. We will be changed by the renewing of our mind. In other words, the old mind that we had, the old mentality that we had, the old mindset that we had, that old man that we were, it dies through Christ. It dies through our prayer. It dies through our fasting and and the next thing you know, you begin to think different. You begin to see things different. Your mind begins to change, and we are transformed into uh, a being that is more Christ-like and more God-like. And, and that's what the Bible is saying. Don't be conformed to the world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. We're planted in this world. All of us here today that are alive, if you're here today and you're not alive, God bless you. But all of us here today that are alive, you are planted in this world. And at least for right this minute, God's not changing where you're planted. And I hope he does it for anybody here today for a long time. But you're planted in this world. God expects us to change and to grow in the soil that we're planted in. You say, Brother Merrill, it's just so hard. You know, the world is just so tempting. There's just so much out there. We need to renew our mind and begin to grow and to begin to change and to begin to be more Christ-like. God, at this moment, is not changing our circumstance. You're, you're planted in the world. You're, you're a human. 
your flesh. Everybody on board with me? You understand what I'm saying? And so you're going to have to live in this world. And things aren't going to get better. It would be nice. It would be nice for all of us to get together right now and form a big circle and hold hands and we could pray that God would change the world and we could walk out of here today and there would never be any more violence and there would never be any more temptation and there would never be any of that. All of that would be wonderful. But it's not likely to happen. So because of that, our basic nature says that I want to engage in all of that stuff. But the Bible says I'm not going to change your circumstance, at least until we die our rapture. And because I'm not changing where you are planted, I need you to transform yourself. Don't conform, but transform yourself. And we do that through prayer and through fasting and Bible study and a applying the word of God to our life and living in the will of God. Transform yourself, change, allow God to change you. Even though we're planted in a place we don't like and we want God to change our circumstances. Man, if I could just find the right spouse. The one I have, the one I had, the one whatever. If I could just, if I could get a better job, If I had better kids, if my parents hadn't been so dumb, if they had just loved me more, if they had hugged me, if my mama wouldn't have been such a nag or if my daddy wouldn't have been this, whatever the case is, and and we have all of these negative things, and I'm not trying to dispel any of that. I know that that has has weight on our lives, but understand that there are some circumstances that God's just not going to change. I've known people, I know somebody today that grew up with a a very violent, alcoholic father that many times uh, hid in the woods across the street from their house while their dad would fire shots through the woods uh, just hoping to hit them. They have not allowed that, and through a relationship with God, they have not allowed that to become a stumbling block in their life, and they've grown on, and and they've gotten married, and they have kids, and they have a very good job, um, and they're productive in their life. They've not allowed their circumstance to keep them from growing. And there's so many uh, cases where uh, where God plants us or, or whatever happens in life. Sometimes the seed just gets washed down the hill and, and all of a sudden changes places and, and there's, there's things out of our control and we can't allow that to hinder us. The Bible says in Romans 8, 29, uh, but be conformed to the image of his son. Understand that God accepts you for who you are. God accepts you for who you are. When you walk into a relationship with God, it don't matter how evil, how wicked, how messed up, how whatever. You are, God accepts you. But he has no desire to leave you like that. Somebody say amen. engage a relationship with God and one year, five years, ten years, fifteen years, twenty years down the road, you 
are the same person that you were when you walked in the door, something's wrong. God does not leave us the way we are. Max Dupree, in a book that he wrote, Leadership is an Art, says, it is important to remember that we cannot become what we need to be by by remaining what we are. There's going to be some change, and uh, so we have to pray that God changes our circumstance. We have to praise that God changes our situation. But sometimes we just simply need to pray, God, change me. Let me change to grow so I can understand my circumstance or to embrace my situation. And then God may not change it, but we can handle it. Our mindset is different. Our mentality is different. And our life becomes different. Praise the Lord. Thank you this morning for your attention. God bless you.